You're now listening to Sambuanga City Alliance Evangelical Church's podcast. We hope that it will help you with your journey with the Lord Jesus Christ and your relationship with the people around you. God bless you. Good morning to everyone. We would like to also greet good morning those individuals who cannot come here yet and are there in their respective homes joining us in this worship service. I'm excited to introduce to you a new series. And in fact, this is a sequel of what we discussed before. Remember the series entitled, When God Meets Man. We started discussing from the person of Abraham when God called him. And then he had a son, Isaac. We also discussed about the life of Isaac. And also we discussed the life of Jacob, the son of Isaac. And I think if you could still remember when we had our last sermon on that series, When God Meets Man, we talk about the struggle of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the struggle of Jacob in going back home because what he remembered at time is that his brother Esau would like to kill him because he stole his birthright and um, his blessings from his father. And when that happened, he desired to go back home, and yet he had a struggle deep inside him because he thought Esau would like to kill him. And we ended up with the account of the narrative that when they met already, actually Esau was not thinking of killing Jacob. Instead, he wanted to hug him because he missed him so badly. And after that story, we cut the series But in that particular place, Jacob settled down already. He pitched his tent, and all the herds that he brought were there, and they they were multiplying already. He was getting old, and yet in his old age, in his old age, he had another child. And this child was named Joseph. We will start with this person, uh, we will talk about, I mean, with the life of Joseph, and we will be having three particular sermons out of this series, and I entitled this series, Rise to the Challenge. You look at that statement, Rise to the Challenge, it is actually an idiomatic expression. An idiomatic expression, which means to discover or utilize the strength, determination, or skill Necessary to accomplish some difficult tasks successfully. Joseph had difficulties in his journey. And we will be delving into the narrative. We will be looking at his life. And you will find out how difficult it was for him. But this guy rose to the challenge. Having that skill and the ability, the determination that he had, we will discover how he rose to the challenge. I look at this this time and I, was, I received an impression from the Lord to share this to you because I believe we are still in a very challenging and trying time in these days. And let us learn some important matters in the life of Joseph so that we will also rise to the challenge. I tell you, what you will learn out of this series would help you a lot Rise to the challenge that you are facing this day. And so let's go to the text. Let's open our Bibles in the book of Genesis chapter 39. 
As I have mentioned to you, this is a sequel of the previous series entitled, When God Meets Man. We ended that series with Jacob. This time we will pick up from this person named Joseph, the son of Jacob. We will read from verses 1 to 18. It says here from the New American Standard Bible, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard, bought him from Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in the sight and became his personal servant. And he made him overseer over his house. And all that he owned, he put him in charge. It came about that from the time he made his overseer in his house and over all that he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house on account of Joseph. Thus the Lord's blessing was upon all that he owned, in the house and in the field. So he let, left everything he owned in Joseph's charge, and with him, there he did not concern himself with anything except the food which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. It came about after these events that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph and said to him, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. And he has put all that he has owned in my charge. There is no one greater in this house than I. And he has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do this great evil and sin in, against God? As, he spoke to Joseph, as she spoke to Joseph day to day, he did not listen to her to lie to her lie and to lie with her beside her every day. Now it happened one day that he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the household was there inside. She caught him but his garment by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and went outside. When she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled outside, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought in a Hebrew to us to make sport of us. He came into me to lie with me, and I screamed. And when he heard that I raised my voice and screamed, he left his garment beside me and fled and went outside. So she left his garment beside her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with those words, The Hebrew slave whom you brought into us came into me to make sport of me, and as I raised my voice and screamed, he has left his garment beside me and fled outside. May the good Lord bless us in the reading of his word. That time, Jacob already settled in the land. He was reconciled with his brother Esau already. And then after which he had his children with him there, everyone grew already. But in his old age, he had a son called Joseph. Joseph became his favorite. 
And because of that, one day he made a coat for him, a colorful coat. His brothers, Joseph's brothers, didn't like this idea. They were jealous of him, and the text is very clear about the matter. Because of jealousy, they planned to do something negative and something so bad to their brother, Joseph. So one day, Jacob told Joseph, you go after your brothers. They were tending the flock in a certain field. And so Joseph left, went after his brother. When he arrived in that particular place, his brother, brothers were not there. But he met a man who told him, I heard them talking earlier that they will be going to another place. And so Joseph ran after them and he found them. But while he was still approaching, his brothers thought already of, here comes the guy. The guy that we don't like. The guy who is the favorite of our father. Let's kill him. So they really planned of doing something very detestable in the eyes of God that time. But one of them said, let's not kill him. Let's just throw him somewhere. And so they threw him inside a well. And then after which, one of them thought, why don't we just sell him? So they sold Joseph to the merchants passing by, going to Egypt. And they made up a story. They tore the clothes and the robe of Joseph that was given to him by his father Jacob. And the brothers went back home and told their father Jacob, Father, we found this. Is this not the robe of your son, your favorite son? Jacob identified the robe and he was weeping that time because he thought that he was eaten by an animal. Not knowing that his sons sold his favorite son to the merchants passing by going to Egypt. And when Joseph was sold already, he was brought to Egypt. When they arrived in Egypt, someone bought Joseph. Imagine that. This time, he was no longer like a human being. Because if you think about it, he was like no longer a human being. Why? He was sold as a slave. When you are sold, meaning to say you are not the owner of your life. You are not the owner of yourself anymore. Somebody bought him. And that was Potiphar. Potiphar was a leader of the army of the Egyptians. And he brought Joseph home to become a worker in his house. But the text also tells us, the passage that we read, I observe a lot of expressions that went like this. Look at verse 2 of chapter 39. Verse 2. When Joseph was sold to the house, to, the, to Potiphar, he brought him to his house and listen to this expression in verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph. You proceed further, verse 3, you would see there the same expression. The Lord was with him. And another statement that says like this, the Lord caused all that he did to prosper. And then in verse 5, the Egyptian's house on account of Joseph was blessed. And then the Lord's blessing was upon all that he owned. Why? On the account of Joseph. This line, the Lord was with him, the Lord blessed him, the Lord showed favor to him. 
This was repeatedly mentioned to tell the readers that God was prospering Joseph despite the difficulty that he went through. But the challenge that I would like to bring to you this morning did not happen so much when he was there sold as a slave. Because there was a greater challenge that was waiting for him, not at the lowest point of his life, but one of the greatest challenges that Joseph encountered was when he was already rising up into a certain position. And let me tell you this today. There are moments in life that the greater challenge wouldn't be experienced when you are there at the pit of your difficulty. There are challenges that you and I will face when we are already rising to the top. There are challenges that you and I would face when life is getting better. There are challenges that you and I would experience when life becomes quite easy already. Look at this scenario. One day, verse 6, Joseph was described as a handsome man, for in form and appearance. Ang sabi ko, minsan hindi rin advantage tong guapo. Kasi may disadvantage talaga. Kaya nga, minsan yung may pumupunta sa akin, nagre-reklamo, Pastor, si Losa talaga ang misis ko. O sabihan mo ang misis mo, huwag kang magselos kasi kasalanan mo yan. Nag-asawa ka ng guapo. Ang misis din, si Losa talaga ang asawa ko, Pastor. Sabihan mo siya, kasalanan mo yan kasi nag-asawa ka ng maganda. But there are advantages even in beautiful faces. This happened to Joseph. He was described as a man who was pleasant, handsome in form and appearance. In other words, he is not only good-looking by nature, but he is also good-looking because probably he, is, he dressed well, he is clean and neat. That is why he is described as somebody who is Handsome both in form and appearance. And the wife of Potiphar was attracted to him. It came about, verse 7, after these events that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph. Looked with desire. It started with looking. Often, temptations comes based on what our eyes can see. Often. Seldomly what we would smell and hear. Often it comes through the eyes. Take note of that. Whether you are a man or a woman, often temptation comes through the eyes. Punta ka sa mall. You would see beautiful things. <laughs> Tempted talaga ako, Pastor. Bakit? Ang ganda ng bag na nakita ko. Ang ganda ng sasakyan. I am tempted to really buy, Pastor. Temptation comes often through the eyes. The wife of Potiphar look at Joseph. He is handsome, both in form and appearance. And that is why she was so attracted of him. Okay lang sana kung hanggang sa tingin lang. But when often, when your eyes gets an information and it is brought to your brain, often that brain will process and will begin to think on how to get that thing that you are lured to get. Often, that happens that way. And you know what? This woman said to him something like this, Lie with me. 
Very straightforward tong babaeng to. Lie with me. That was her statement. But Joseph refused and said to his master's wife, Now, from this time, I would like you to take note of three defenses that Joseph used against this tempter. Three defenses. You may be able to use this also in your personal walk. The first is this. His response to this woman was, Behold, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Take note of this line. It is an appeal to the hard-earned trust and confidence of his master. Joseph responded to the woman, You know, your husband, my master, while he's away, he does not concern of anything while I am here in the house because he trusts me. He is confident of me. Because I am here, he thinks I can manage well of all these things. He trusts me. You know, often we hear about the reality that trust is something that is hardly earned. But it is also something that can easily be destroyed. You know that. Kahit nga siguro sa sarili natin, we would say, I don't just trust anybody. Especially nowadays. There are people who are looking for workers in their company. Individuals who are looking for housemates that can help them in their chores day to day. But we should not just trust anybody. And once a trust is given to us, we should take care of it. Because it is hardly earned. But it could easily be gone away. Joseph appealed to that. When the wife of Potiphar went to him and said, Lie down with me. When the wife of Potiphar said, Joseph, you're so handsome. I want to have you beside me. And Joseph appealed to that given trust, which I believe he hardly earned. And that trust was only earned because God was with him. And because of that, he knew that once this trust is destroyed, then he could never take it back again. He appealed to that. That was his first line of defense. And what happened next? He continued. This is his second line of defense. Joseph said, He has put all that he owns in my charge. An appeal to the given authority and privilege. There are authorities and privileges that you and I will receive. But if we will not take care of it, sometimes one false move, it will be taken away from us. Joseph is filled with wisdom indeed. Well, I don't wonder about that because God was with him. God was giving him the wisdom, the knowledge on how to deal with matters. He knew that that authority, the privilege that he had, could be taken away from him if he will not refuse and fight against this temptation. That was his second line of defense. Look at the third, verse 9. There is no one greater in this house than I, and he has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. An appeal to the sanctity and exclusivity 
of the woman's union to his master, to Joseph's master. Joseph said, I don't like to do this matter. Number one, because my master trusts me. Number two, because I am, I am put in charge and has the authority over everything here. Number three is, because you are his wife. I respect the sanctity of marriage. I respect that union that you have with my master. I cannot do that. Those were the line of defense of Joseph. But behind those defense that he uttered, there is one thing deep inside his heart that made him say those words. What is that? This is the very thing that made him rise to the challenge. What is it? Let us look at verse 9, at the last portion of it. He said these words, How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? In a greater sense, this is the very core of his defense. This is the ultimate defense of Joseph, a God-centered morality. This is something that you and I need to develop as followers of God. Because I tell you, there are challenges that would happen in life, not there at the pit of our despair, not there at the pit of our difficulty, but there are challenges that would come to our lives when we are rising to the top already, when authority is given to us, when trust is vested upon us. Temptations can come any time of the day, and when we have a God-centered morality, it is only then that we will be able to fight the battle even of the greatest temptation in life. A God-centered morality. This is very important. You know why? Because often, we are governed by rules around us. This starts even in the home. In our respective homes, often, when parents would deal with the children, we set rules. Do not eat while you are talking. I mean, do not talk while you are eating. Baliktad tuloy. Do not play while you are eating. Or do not sleep beyond, uh, do not go to sleep na lumagpas na yung 10 o'clock, dapat tulog ka na before 10. Do not use your phone while you are eating because we need to converse. So we set rules in the house. Do not come home beyond 7 o'clock. You should be here before 7. So we have a lot of rules in the house. They may not be written down or posted on the wall, but we say those rules. It's okay. As long as those rules are not the end by, its, by themselves. Why? Because what we really need to develop to our, in our children's life are not rules. But conviction. What we need to develop if you are a, an educator, what you need to develop in the lives of your students are not just skills and knowledge and certainly not only observance of the rules. What we need to develop in the lives of our learners is conviction. 
What we need to teach in our workplace is not only set of rules, but conviction. It is really important. I would like you to take note of these words that is there on your screen. Look at these wordings that I placed there. When prohibitions are the basis for choosing, there is a danger of violation when there is no one enforcing. When there are only set of rules, when there are only regulations around, and that is the basis for choosing whether to do or not, there is a danger of violating that rule when there is no one enforcing it. Kaya nga, I observe, coming here from our place, Kalarian, pag may mga enforcers na nagsasabing, bawal ditong nakapark sa tabi ng daan. Itutaw yung mga sasakyan, ah, kinabukasan walang nakapark kahit isa. Give it a week. When the enforce, uh, enforcing officers are gone, nakapark na naman. Why? Because there is no enforcer. So when, when the choosing or the act of making decision is based on the rule and regulation, there is a danger of violating such rules when the enforcer is away. That is why what I'm telling you right now is we need to develop our people. We need to develop our children. We need to develop our learners to only submit to authority because that is very weak. But we need to teach them to develop conviction. But when the basis, continue with the words there on your screen, when the basis is a godly conviction, uprightness is certain even when the situation is in isolation. Uprightness is certain even when there are no people around watching. Choosing the right option would be possible even if there are no enforcers around. Why? Because there is a conviction deep within the heart of a person. And listen to this. Conviction is developed when God is the center of the person's morality. Some people would say, I can be good even if there is no God. I tell you, you can be good even if there is no God, but that somehow is problematic. In our time today, we are living within an epoch of postmodernity, wherein the truth is relative. There can be good things in my perception about myself that is harmful to another person. There are decisions that I make that I would say, I will do this because this is good to me, but it is not good for another. So this is a great danger. If there is no point of reference for our morality, then that's going to be problematic in the long run. Why? The teenagers would say, staying late during the night is good for me because it's when I would communicate with my friends. The parents would say, it's not good for you. It's not good for us because it's make, it makes us stay awake during the night. So there are good things that we perceive it, if it is only based on our own moral, moral values that would be problematic in the longer run because there are things that are good for you in your percep perception that would not be good for others. I think I mentioned this to you before. There is a certain culture among Indians many years ago that they call sati. That culture would tell that the value of the wife is dependent on the husband. So if the husband dies, the wife will either be burned or be buried with the husband alive. 
Why? Because she, is, she has no value at all. Is that culture good for the Filipinos? No. Because we value our women. You see, there are things that we consider good in our own moral perception that may not be necessarily good for other people. And the right conviction would only be developed if that conviction is centered on God. That person would only have the right conviction if that person would have a godly conviction. A conviction that is centered on God himself. That is why I have been telling you even earlier. When you look at Joseph, how did he rise to the challenge? He had a God-centered morality. What is the basis of your moral conviction? Is it based on your own perception? That will be problematic in the long run. It should be based and centered on God himself. That is why when Joseph was confronted, his ultimate defense, the core of his defenses that he uttered earlier, he said, how can I do such an evil or great evil and sin in the eyes of my God? Because if it is not good in the eyes of my God, it is not good for me. Even if it is not good in my own perception, when God says it's good for me, it is good for me. So the basis of the moral conviction of Joseph is God himself. It is the reason why he rose to the challenge. My friends, while you are rising, challenges will come to your life. Sometimes we think, it's very challenging, Pastor, when I am just starting my business. It can be true. But don't you know that when your business is already rising up, when your business is already at the peak, challenges can happen. Sometimes even greater challenges can happen. Some people would say, the greatest challenge that I have faced, Pastor, is when I started with my masteral program, I tell you, when you finish the masteral program, greater challenges are waiting for you. Because there are challenges that won't happen when, at the, when we are at the bottom. There are challenges and often it's bigger when we are rising or when we are already at the top. How did Joseph rose, rise to the challenge? He rose to the challenge because he had a moral conviction that is centered on God. A God-centered morality. And it is my prayer that we will begin shifting our minds in the way we influence others. Whether we like it or not, we are influencers. In the home, in the workplace, in the cyber world, we are influencers. And when we influence people, don't just influence them by giving them set of rules. Give them or bring them to the biblical conviction that is centered on the very person of God. I pray that our influence will grow further even in this trying time. I am praying that more and more people out there who will begin to live their conviction not based on their own perception alone but a God-centered morality. With this in our hearts and minds, let us all rise to the challenge with God at the center of our morality. God bless us all and good morning. You just heard a message from Sambuanga City Alliance Evangelical Church. 
We hope that it will help you grow with your knowledge and journey with the Lord Jesus Christ. For more updates, follow us on our Facebook page, Instagram, and YouTube. For Facebook, at Sambonga City Alliance Evangelical Church. For Instagram, at Zikaek PH. For YouTube, at Zikaek Ministries. See you there!